Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Well, last night we started, we were ministering along the line of being skillful with the authority that is ours. I, I trust you got something. And when I woke up this morning, something else came to me. Because uh, I was prepared to go whichever way God wanted. And if I, if I could say it this way tonight, it seems like he directed me off script a little bit. So we'll just do whatever he wants and go whichever way he wants. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians in chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Know this, um, the devil is afraid of the plan of God for your life. He's afraid of that. Because when you're in that plan, he's got no room. He's got no, he's got, there's no room made for him in that plan. And the closer you stick with that plan, the, 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 the tighter the door is closed to the devil. And not only that, when you're in the plan of God, not only is your life better, but you start influencing. And other people get rescued. Other people get helped in the plan that God has for you. So know this, the devil's going to fight that plan in your life more than he fights anything else. He'll try to separate you from that plan because the plan God has for your life is an all-conquering plan. It conquers every opposing circumstance. It conquers every opposition that comes your way. So our, our, our attention and our interest has to be, I'm only interested in the plan. It's what I'm interested in. And I love something that one minister, uh, one of our pioneers of faith from past generations, he made this statement. He said, when I'm offered the opportunity to do something or uh, take on another project, he said, I always ask myself this before I say yes to it. Is this going to further me in my race? Is this going to enhance my race? Or is it going to distract me from my race? And he made every decision based on his race, based on the plan of God for his life. And I said it last night, when opposing circumstances come, when difficulties come, seasons of transition come, something in your life is going on the chopping block. It needs to be an unrenewed mind. It needs to be wrong thinking that goes on the chopping block, not the plan of God. But so many people have put the plan of God on the chopping block so that they could hold to the way they think. And I tell you what, your life is in the plan of God. Long life is connected to the plan of God. And everything, of, everything else of my life, every other arena is to assist me in that. My health is for one arena, one thing to help me fulfill the plan. The prosperity is for one thing to help me fulfill the plan. I, uh, when God spoke to me about buying, and you've heard my testimony of how God gave me Sister Amy Silk McPherson's castle. Well, the, the city calls it Amy's castle. That's not what I named it. I don't want you to think that, well, she thinks her house a castle, you know. <laughs> but that's how it's known in the city, so that's how we call it. 
And um, I said to God, I said, God, this is not only going to take all my money, but it's going to take all my money for a while, you know. And uh, I said, is it wise for me to take on this that it's going to take all the money? And he said this to me. He said, the castle is my plan, and the money is for the plan. The money is for the plan. So that means that anything connected with the plan, spend whatever you got to spend to get the plan done. So many people are trying to save the money at the expense of the plan. And they're stepping back to save money when you're supposed to use whatever. I will pay double, I will pay triple if it gets me in the plan. I mean, just for daily things, just think of it through all this season, this uh, with the COVID season, vehicles, as you know, are hard to come by for purchase. So what they've done is all the cars that they used to have for rental companies, they're selling them. So there's very few rental cars available. So when we go into cities and we need rental cars, they're, they're a high commodity, so they're uh, jabbing, price gouging. So they're charging triple and quadruple what they used to. Most people would say, well, then I'm not going on the trip. Not me. The money's for the plan. I don't care. You can charge me double. You can charge me triple. You can charge me ten times. I'm showing up if, my plan, if the plan of God is connected with that because my purpose on life is not to save money. My purpose is to fulfill the plan, and any money is just nothing but a servant. I'm not serving it. I'm not, I'm not putting the plan of God on the chopping block. Never put the plan of God on the chopping block. In the plan is where your health is. In the plan is where your provision is. It's your wealthy place. It's your healthy place. The devil hates the plan of God for your life. And he'll do everything he can to draw you away from that plan. So uh, I, 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 want to, uh, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Let me tell you what the devil's afraid of. People who fulfill the plan and know that they're there to fulfill the plan when there's no compromise. No compromise. I mean, I will get all over somebody who tries to plant seeds in me against the plan. I don't. <laughs> People might have good suggestions. Wait a minute. That suggestion, I mean, there was one time somebody said, we ought to do this, and I listened to what they said, and I said, no, that's not, that's not in line with the plan. That's not in line with the vision God gave me. And they kept bringing it back to me. And about the third time, I said, don't you ever tell me that again. The devil's not going to use your mouth to plant something in me that would get me an appetite for something off the plan. Don't you keep saying that to me. Because I know the more you hear something, the more you take in something. I won't even let someone keep talking the wrong. When I've told them that's not the direction, don't you even keep putting your opinion out there. I don't, I don't, I don't play with it. Because I'm protecting the plan. More than I protect my family, more than I protect my call, more, I protect the plan. Why? Because in the plan is everything protected. My family's protected. My call's protected. The devil's after the plan that God has for your life. Don't treat it lightly. 
fight for the plan. So many people are fighting for finances, fighting for income, fighting to win their way in a marriage and missing the whole plan. They'll pick up and leave their church to go take a job in another city because they forgot about the plan. Praise the Lord. That's not the sermon. We might just find out together what the sermon is. But. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 makes this statement, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Know this, Jesus took the advantage away from Satan when it comes to your life. Satan lost the advantage. What is he trying to do? He's always trying to get the advantage back. How's he trying to get the advantage back? The next phrase tells you. For we're not ignorant of his devices. He launches devices. He launches strategies to gain an advantage. So we have to be aware and not ignorant of his devices, his strategies. We have to recognize something when it's cloaked. The devil doesn't just parade his devices in front of you. He cloaks them and sends them your way. For example, God began dealing with me a couple of years ago about us doing our own miracle crusades. And we've, um, we've scheduled four of them a year. Last year we were only, only able to do one before church meetings got canceled. But this year we've done three of the four. And uh, they're different because... I love preaching in churches. I love ministering to congregations. When I am invited by a pastor, there's a spiritual etiquette there. That means what's in his heart for his people is what God wants me to minister about. So he will speak to me in line with the man who invited me. You understand? What's going to bless this pastor? Because there's a spiritual etiquette. That man invited me. So the spiritual etiquette is what's on his heart is what God is going to lead me in line with. But when I have my own meetings and I, I use a pastor's building, but it's not at their invitation, so to speak. They're not inviting me to come preach to their crowd. I ask them, may I use your building? And they say, yes. See, I'm not there at the pastor's invitation. I'm there at the spirit-led invitation. And therefore, I can preach what's on God's heart. One's not any less than the other. They're just different based on spiritual etiquette. You understand? So it is different. It does matter if God tells a, a traveling minister to do something other than go and preach in a local church, and he says, go in and have your own meetings. There's a, there's a spiritual difference. There's a, there's a difference in the purpose of that. That means some things are going to get accomplished. Ed would say, in his years of traveling, he would say, a part of me is unfulfilled in one respect because he said, when I go into churches, I want to help that church. I want to help that pastor. I want, I want to bring the supply they need, but he said there are things in my office as a prophet that don't come out, that don't get expressed because I'm there to be an assist to the pastor. So see, when God leads a different format, there's a reason. So I, um, 
I began sensing that God wanted us to do our own meetings in different churches that would allow us to do that. When I started sensing that, well, it was before I sensed that actually. Probably starting in about 2016, we do four conferences in our own church in Southern California. We do four conferences a year. In about 2016, we started every conference falling behind tens of thousands of dollars. Every conference. So we were stacking on debt every conference. But I'm not led by money. I'm led by the Spirit. And so we just kept doing them. So for the next two to three years, we just kept piling up more and more debt with that. And then God started dealing with me in the midst of that about going out and doing our own crusades. Well, see, that's going to be multiplied expense because now I've got to travel. I've got to not only travel myself, I've got to fly the staff out. I've got to have uh, hotel accommodations for them, food and stuff that I don't have to pay for at home. So you have tripled the amount of a, of a, of a, of a budget by going out and doing your own. But in the midst of all of this dealing with me, here our finances come under tightness with those conference expenses. And so I called in my, my crusade gal and we began to set up miracle crusades. And somebody said to me, why are you doing that? Because you're not even meeting the expenses of conferences at home. Now you're going to be tripling, quadrupling the expenses on, of a crusade of your own. If God's not meeting it at the home level, why are you launching out into the other? I said, this at home, the money not coming in is a smokescreen. It's a device so that I won't go to the next level that's going to call for greater finances because he wants me to think like you. He wants me to think that, oh, it's not getting met here, so I'm not going to do this. I'm not led by money. I'm led by the Spirit. The, 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 the time that I put the four miracle crusades a year on the calendar, all the money started coming in for the home expenses, paid it off within just weeks, and now we have multiplied. I mean, our finances are just... Why? It's about the plan. It's about the plan. And the devil will use strategies and devices as smoke screens. And he'll put pressure to keep you from moving forward. And he's got all kinds of devices and all kinds of strategies. You better learn, learn that when you're a businessman and God tells you to start a business. You're not led by price. You're led by the Spirit. You're not led by convenience. You're led by the Spirit. Praise the Lord. And you say, what's that got to do with what you're preaching on? Nothing. <laughs> but we can't be ignorant why Satan is looking for an advantage against the plan of God for your life. He's looking for an advantage, so he's going to use devices and strategies. And if we're ignorant of those, then he will gain the advantage. And so a sports team, when they're going to play an opposing team, what will they do? They study their opponent. 
they will watch videos. They'll watch footage. Before the ability to video things, they would show up at their games, sit in the stands, and watch the opponent, watch their weaknesses, also watch their strengths. Why? Because that's going to determine how they respond on the field based on the strategies that the opposing teams operate under. So it is not glorifying or giving wrong place to the devil to talk about ways he operates. We need to expose them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Know this. With every test and opposition that's going to come against your life, there will always be a test on your mind. If the devil's going to attack your, your finances, he's also going to attack your mind. If he's going to attack your children, he's going to attack your mind. If he's going to attack your health, he's going to attack your mind. Why? Because he's got to give you, get you thinking wrong so that his attack in the other arena will work. He's got to try to deceive you. So every attack is always going to come with an attack on the mind. You better know that device. That's why you have to keep your mind renewed with the word. Because if our minds are not renewed, then we think wrong. And then we're able to be deceived and he gets the advantage then. Praise the Lord. I want to, there was one specific, and I don't know how many we'll get to tonight because I have listed four of them. But when I woke up this morning, there was one strategy that the devil used against me that seemed out like I need to share with you tonight of my own testimony. And um, I've talked about it at different times, not often, maybe less than five times in my whole life. But um, when you listen to it, don't just hear the specifics of my testimony. Take it and apply it to your life because... The more we can hear about different strategies and devices that the, that the devil worked with some, against someone else, it'll make us more skillful. When we're faced, it will offer, offer us the opportunity, rather, to be more skillful. Before, um, there, there were several things. You know, I was engaged to the wrong person before I met and married my husband. Well, I can't, that would be a whole sermon itself. Most of you have heard that. It's worth hearing. <laughs> you want to know why? Uh, it was a big thing for me. Um, but I had, I, had, uh, I had one particular test. Before I get to this other one, I'll, I'll back up a little bit until this one. Ed and I had been married maybe two weeks. We were down in Florida. I go to bed one night, happy as a lark. You know, I heard God say he's going to be your husband. It matters what you know before you try to use your faith. Let me tell you something. You have to hear from God for your faith to work. This is why some people say, well, I believe and I was believing this and I was believing that and it didn't work. How come? Because you got to hear from God. So I said last night, faith comes by hearing. You have to hear from God. Then you'll know, have something for your faith to be anchored on. You've heard. And God said to me, he said to me, right before Ed and I decided to get married, he said, he's going to be your husband. 
and it was almost audible to me. I turned around in the car. It was audible to me. I don't know if anybody else who had heard it. I turned around in the car to see who said it because I heard a voice. Said, he's going to be your husband. So when these strategies came, it couldn't talk me into the notion that I had married wrong because I'd already heard. And I remembered what I heard. Now, if you forget what you hear, the devil can deceive you. But I was down, we were down in Florida. At, we'd only been married a couple of weeks, as I said. I went to bed. Now, you understand I didn't have mental issues. I was not a mental basket case. I was not suicidal. I was not struggling mentally. I had been before I was, when I was in the wrong, in wrong engagement, but all that got cleared up, praise the Lord. I'm, uh, I go to bed one night and Satan appears to me five times that night. And I see him at a distance. And he said, you're going to ruin your husband's ministry. See, he couldn't tell me I married wrong because God already said. So he's going to use strategies that have the potential of working. He's not going to pull out the absurd. He's not going to tell me you married wrong. Too late, I heard from God. See, he's not going to waste his strategy. So he said the strategy was this. You're going to ruin your husband's ministry, meaning you're not enough. You're not sufficient. And then he said this, go kill yourself. In the dream, go kill yourself. I, you understand I'm not suicidal. I don't have many mental issues, nothing. But when there's an evil, when the devil himself is there, the influence of his words become tangible. What he says, you feel. When he suggests thoughts of fear, you feel fear. When he suggests thoughts of doubt, you feel doubt. When he suggests worries, you feel worry. Why? Because words carry influence. When God says something to you, there's influence with what he says. It's called the anointing. You sense the anointing. You can feel that anointing. What is that? That's to help you receive what he's saying so that you recognize this is from God because it comes with an anointing. We'll see the opposite on the other end is true with the devil. When he says something, there's an influence with what he says to, to try to get you to receive that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So I woke up when he said that. Huh. You know, I, I thought, you understand, this Methodist girl hadn't had any visitations like that. <laughs> I'd only been saved two and a half years wow. at the time. I didn't know anything. I never even heard of the fivefold offices when I married my husband. You understand, I mean, I don't, I don't know diddle <laughs> and so when Satan appears to me and says you're going to ruin your husband's ministry go kill yourself and I woke up and you could feel that same presence in the room Ed's asleep and I thought I I'm not going back to bed I'm not going back to sleep but there came I could not stay awake it was almost like a lulling and that happened five times 
The fifth time, what alerted me, alarmed me, was the fifth time he said, you're going to ruin your husband's ministry, go kill yourself. And when I woke up, I was in the bathroom looking for something to kill myself with. And I woke up standing there at the bathroom counter, and that's when I was frightened because I realized these words are carrying an influence into this realm. Well, I didn't go tell my husband. I'm not going to wake him up and tell him because people told him he married wrong. I didn't want to give them credibility. (laughs) I go back and I lay down again and I fell asleep and the next time Satan appeared again. And before he could start talking, my brother, I have two older brothers, my brother's face came and was nose to nose with me and said, intercession has been made, it's broken. And all of that stopped. What you could feel, the horror in the room, all that left. Years later, I said to God, I said to God, why did you use my brother's face? And Jesus said to me, because I am one who sticks closer than a brother. And I used your brother's face. Because he ever liveth to make intercession. He was the one who made intercession. Why? Because I did not know how to take my authority. And so he stepped in. He ever liveth to make intercession for all of us. But I tell you, it is so crucial for the young believer. Because the young believer doesn't know everything they need to know to experience their victory. And Jesus will step in as the intercessor. But you can't remain carnal and decide you're not going to develop spiritually and expect him to keep bailing you out. Because he expects you to grow up. Not saying he won't step in, but I'm saying he especially watches over the young. And so that night, Ed was preaching at a camp meeting. And uh, that night, another minister was to minister. And they came over to me and they said, Satan tried to kill you. And I'm thinking under my breath, yeah, last night. (laughs) Ed didn't know anything about this. I didn't tell him because I did not. I thought something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. So after that minister said Satan tried to kill you, uh, Ed asked me, (laughs) what happened? And so I told him, and he said, well, honey, why didn't you tell me? I said, because I didn't want people, I didn't want you to think I'm crazy. You only know, you know, we've only been married two weeks, but he's only known me five before that. He's only known me seven weeks. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) Strategies, all kinds of strategies, all kinds of devices. So Ed said to me, well, honey, he kind of, if I could say this, took the pointing finger off of me that there's not something wrong with me. He said, well, honey, that happened. See, I thought that happened because something's wrong with me as as a spiritual baby. He said, honey, that happened because you married a prophet. The devil's after the prophet. And I said, but you told me you were an evangelist. (laughs) 
That's a fine time. <laughs> Not that it would have made a big difference because I didn't know the difference between evangelist and a prophet, but a prophet sounded a lot more like serious. <laughs> he said, honey, that happened because you made a prophet. See, that's a device. Anytime someone is called to the fivefold ministry, the devil's going to use the most carnal one around them to gain entrance. Wow. Make sure you're not it. Amen. Whether it's a pastor, whether it's a teacher, prophet, apostle, the devil will always have an open door through the most carnal one around him. That's why you cannot allow those close to you who do not come out of, who do not come out of carnality. Because they will always be an open door against your life. Now, don't misunderstand me. They don't have to get in, but that somebody will always give them access to you that should be protecting you. That's why you don't want to marry someone carnal. Praise the Lord. And carnal means, carnal is the same thing as a spiritual baby. Spiritual baby, they're just young, you know. We don't look, I never look back at my first grade and say, Nancy, you were so stupid. No, I was a first grader. That's just part of it. I'm not going to beat myself up for being young. But where it's dangerous is when you choose to not grow up. And you stay carnal, you stay body ruled. Amen. One of the devices, just know this, that the further you go in the things of God, the more the carnal people have to be distanced from your life. And if someone refuses to become, to become spiritual, you'll have to leave them behind. Why? Because if you don't, you, the devil will always have an open access to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So my husband said, well, honey, it's because you married a prophet. Well, could you warn me next time? <laughs> you know. And in this process of growing up spiritually, Ed was, he had been in the ministry um, almost 20 years when I married him. I was 22 when I married him. I was 19 when I got born again. And... Uh, <clears throat> So you can understand how far advanced spiritually he was. I felt like, have you ever seen an old Western movie and they get somebody and they're bringing, a, they're bringing an outlaw into town and they tie him to the horse. <laughs> they get him walking behind the horse, you know, and he's roped up to the saddle or whatever. They're walking. And if they're really mad at him, they get that horse going a little faster and they just drag him. That's the way I felt. I'm being drugged. <laughs> this thing is moving so quick. So fast, this spiritual race that we were in, I just felt like I am just doing everything I can to keep my feet under me so that, I, so that I'm not being drugged. Well, you can understand, you, you feel that spiritual youngness when you're around someone who's advanced like my husband. So the devil's throwing strategies at me that he's not throwing at my husband. And... Um, during that first year was quite a year. Not for Ed and I, our marriage. It wasn't difficult. You know, some people have great difficulties. I mean, that's, their, that's, that's the year they come closest to divorcing many times, is that first year just trying to 
learn how to live with somebody else in the house. What do you mean you touched my toothpaste? What do you mean you used my toothbrush? If that ever happens. All these kinds of things, these differences of the natural that people struggle with, mine, ours was not that at all. Ours was the devices that the enemy used that first year to try to get me to back out of the plan of God, leave the plan of God. And uh, if one didn't work, he'd do it right around the tail of that would come another. And that first year of marriage, there came a bombardment against my mind. Now, my husband had been married before. Um, <clears throat> there was 20 years difference, so he had been married before. He had three daughters by his first marriage, and his, his, uh, in his first marriage, she decided that she didn't want to be in the ministry anymore. And so she went a different direction. And he tried to get, you know, he tried to make that thing work, and it wouldn't work. And so he was believing for her to come back. And don't you think, I mean, I know it's, it's God's best that people think right. Yeah. And that they don't bring division. That they don't bring strife and problems, right? Ed was pastoring at the time. And so Ed was very mindful of the congregation. How does this affect his congregation? So he was endeavoring to believe God for her to come back. And he was... Um, he was in Tulsa. He had flown there to go to a Dad Hagen meeting, and he was so embarrassed by all that he was facing personally. And he, would, he went to the very top of that convention center and sat so that no other preacher would see him. And he sat up there, and Dad Hagen was preaching. And he, um, and as Dad Hagen would do, you know, he'd often take what he called rabbit trails. And he said, I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail. He's preaching on faith. I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail here. And he said, uh, if you're a preacher and you've got a call on your life and your spouse is fighting against that, you'll, you'll die prematurely. And when Dad Hagen said that, God spoke to my husband and said, now, you're believing for her to come back. And he said, it will take me seven years why? Because he's got to work with her. See, her will's involved. He said, but when she comes back, she'll pull you out of the will of God and you'll die prematurely. Now, if you want, I'll bring her back. Why? Because God answers your faith. Make sure what you put your faith on is going to be the best thing for your life. Because you can put your faith on something that's not even his will. And he said, but if, he said, but I have somebody else for you if you want somebody else. And he said, no, go with you in the ministry. And he said, I let it go. I'll, I want what you have for me. And it wasn't long that we met and got married. So knowing that, you know, he had been married before, he had a congregation that he was responsible for. He stayed through the difficulty of that. And uh, he stayed to make sure that church was stable. And God spoke to him, I want you to move to Tulsa. And, of course, that's where we met. 
and he put a pastor in to take over that church. But I knew, and this is one thing, it's always best that people just stay on course, that they guard their mind, that they renew their minds, but not everyone will. And you can't confess it over them. It's their choice. And so, um, <clears throat> so I, uh, he were married to Ed, and we, right after the, Satan appears to me, then he throws another strategy at me. This one was against the mind. And he kept saying, you're not God's best. You're second. You're nothing but a substitute. You're only there because God's choice wasn't there. And it was a, de it was a degrading. The way he would word it was to degrade so that I would turn in upon myself. And I would think wrong about this place that God had brought me into. Why? Because if I think wrong, I'm going to start behaving wrong, talk, talking wrong, and I'm going to bring the wrong supply to that marriage and ministry. So he kept bombarding me with, you're nothing but a substitute. God's best was her. Yeah, God put you together, but God didn't want you first. You're second. And it was to demean, the way he said it was to demean and to degrade. And I struggled with fighting with that. And the pressure of it, because like I said, when the devil says something, there's influence with those words. There's the feeling of degrading. There's the feeling of being less than. The feeling of demeaning. Why? Because that's the words he spoke. And I didn't have my mind renewed. And so this went on for a time. Months and months. I never told anything to Ed because that's just me. I don't tell people my problems, not because I'm hiding them, but because I know i got to get it from God. It, it, it ultimately comes down to me and God anyway. I'm not saying it's wrong to, for you to talk about it, but some people talk about it and end up in the wrong place after talking about it. And one thing I knew about my husband, he was not a conversationalist. He did not want me to take our private time at home to dump on him all my things. That just, that wasn't it. And he would have helped me, don't misunderstand me, but I knew it's even hard to articulate to someone. When there's demons on your head, it's hard to articulate how that is to someone else to even explain so that, th that they can even know how to help you sometimes. So we went to a... Ed was preaching. No, that's not true. It was like a minister's conference. All the main ministers of our era were there. We went to the back room afterwards, and I had, I had been meeting so many of them since I married Ed. You know, Dad Hagen and Dr. Summerall and all these that, you know, Jerry Seville and Happy Caldwell and all these precious men of God. And that night I met a man by the name of Norval Hayes. And we were talking, and Brother Norville was single then, and he's, oh, Brother Ed, I wish God would give me a pretty young wife like he gave you. <laughs> it was so cute. And he's, and he's looking at me. Ed's right here, and he's looking at me and saying, Ed, can I kiss her? Can I just kiss her? 
And then it said, no, Norval, you can't kiss my wife. Get back. And so Norval was very endearing. I mean, you know, he's an older guy by then, don't. But he was just harassing Ed. And so we got ready to leave, and Brother Norval came and said, what hotel are you staying at? We told him, he said, well, that's the hotel I'm staying at. Can, can I ride back with you? So, yeah, we took, it said, sure. So we got in the car. The hotel was only about 10 minutes away. We got there real quick. And he sat there for the next 45 minutes without me saying a word, without me bringing up anything. And he, he disarmed every strategy of the enemy against my mind. And he said, Nancy, let me talk to you about how the will of God works. See, I had this idea. This is the idea I had. I don't know if anybody else had this. It was a Cinderella idea. <laughs> There's one, Prince Charming, somewhere. Not two, one. And if you miss that one, you miss it. That was my thinking. And that in my head, Ed and his first wife were the ones, and me, I'm the miss, you see because the way I thought. You say, where'd you get that from? Cartoons, probably. <laughs> like, like Disney or something like that. Yeah. Not the word, you understand. I wasn't raised with the teaching you get. Yeah. <laughs> nevertheless, that was my thinking. And nevertheless, wrong thinking is the devil's entrance. So Brother Norville, and to think about the plan of God was just too big of a subject for me to know how it played out, to even be able to ask questions in line with that. And so Brother Norville, in that car that night, said, Nancy, let me talk to you about the plan of God. He said, it was the plan of God for Ed's marriage not to break up because God always desires harmony and peace. But... When somebody says no, they are no longer the plan of God as though they had never been the plan of God. And he said, the plan of God and the will of God is with the person who says yes. I said, got it. It's not an assigned person. It's the agreeable, willing person. And he said, because you said yes, it is as though no one else had ever been the plan because the plan is no longer with them. Never again. He said, it's with you. You are first in this plan. And he disarmed that strategy and device against my mind. Then you start thinking about David. God chose King Saul. King Saul did wrong. God had somebody else lined up, ready. And when it came to play, David was a far better king than Saul. The second is always better than the first. That's why you always want to remain the first. <laughs> I mean, don't let it go to second because somebody out there better than you. But if you ever find yourself second, know this, you're not a substitute, you're the better version. 
Amen. Amen. Think about, um, you just have to know this. The, will of, the, the plan of God is not set in concrete. You want to know why? Because people's wills are involved. And he doesn't force people. And the plan, the will of God goes and finds. Where's the yes? Who loves my will? Who loves my plan? Who loves my word and what I say? I, the, the, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro through the whole earth seeking to show himself strong in the behalf. Amen. It's all about who says yes and who says no. Don't ever be the one who says no. Because you can say yes for a while and change your yes to no. One yes is not a lifetime of yes. It's a yes every day. Choose this day whom you will serve. I set before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. Choose life. He tells you. He's the answer giver. Death and cursing, life and blessing. Choose life. This is the one to choose. You don't just choose it once. You choose it every day. With your thoughts, you're choosing. With your conversations, you're choosing. When symptoms come up, you've got a choice to make. Life and death, blessing or cursing. You've got to choose every day. Just because you said yes at the beginning, you have to hold to that yes hard the rest of your life because there's strategies and devices coming to get you off that yes to get you out of the plan of God. What about Barnabas? He said yes. When God said, separate unto me, in Acts 13, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. And they went together as a divine spiritual team, changing the earth. And then in the course of that, Barnabas got self-willed. And he determined that a family member was going to take a trip with them. He had been on a trip before with them. But when persecution came, it, he wasn't ready for it, and he fled. The problem wasn't that he fled. The problem was he wasn't ready. And so Paul said he's not going. Your relative... Your nephew, Mark, is not going. And it says, but Barnabas determined. When you determine something's going to be your way, you better make sure, are you determining yourself out of the plan of God? And he got self-willed and decided something was going to be his way. And he took Mark and sailed. And he sailed off the pages of history that day. From that time, before that time, the Holy Ghost recorded everything Paul and Barnabas did that was of noteworthy. But from then on, the Holy Ghost never recorded another thing he did. Why? He left the plan. Did he backslide and go into the world? No, he's probably out being a blessing, but outside the plan. Outside the plan. Later, Paul even said, bring Mark now. He's, he's profitable for me now. What's that mean? He's ready for what, he, what I'm going to face. Never, never again did we hear of Barnabas. Why? Because he put the plan of God on the chopping block so he could get his way. He chose his relative over the plan of God. There's going to come a day you're going to have to decide between a relative and the plan of God. 
And if you haven't yet, you haven't gone far enough. You'll get there. You'll get there. But you're going to have to choose. Some people would rather keep the family happy than keep God pleased. And Jesus said, if, if you love your mother, your brother, your sister, and all that, more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. What's that mean? If you put what they say in front of what I say, you won't make it. Not in my plan. You can have a measure of blessing, but you won't have the fullness. And long life is connected to the plan, not connected to your plan. It's connected to his plan. That's why a lot of people die prematurely. They got off the plan. They got off the plan. And as you go further in life, the margin for error is smaller. It's more narrow. You've got to be more accurate. Why? Because the anointing's greater. It's like a vessel. You, when, a vessel. You're a vessel. And when you were younger, the vessel was only partially filled with the anointing, so you had a lot of margin left. But when you get fuller with the anointing, the margin for anything else is diminishing. The margin for error is diminishing. And so uh, Barnabas made a choice that day. But it said before even Barnabas left, I believe somewhere in Acts 14, 15, somewhere around in there, it talks about how Silas was with someone else and had come to where Paul and Barnabas were. And who Silas was traveling with went back to where they had come from because that was their plan. But it says, but Silas stayed. Mm -hmm. Barnabas hadn't left yet, but God already had his substitute waiting in position. Second was waiting. Not waiting for Barnabas to fail, but ready to be the supply. You step out, God's always got a man. God's always got another woman. God's always got another. God's not the stooge left without. He's always got somebody who will say yes to him. Make sure it's you. Make sure it's you. And it proved out that Paul shouldn't have taken Mark because where he ended up next? You know where he ended up next? Paul and Silas got beat, thrown in prison. And, Mark, and Paul was protecting Mark from that. He knew he wasn't ready. But Barnabas would have submitted him to it. It could have cost him much. See, the plan of God, you, uh, you do what's right for everyone. It's not just what's right for you. Praise the Lord. What about Jesus? He's called the second Adam. Not called the first Adam. It's all right to be second. You're the fulfillment. Don't ever let the devil make you think that you're less than. Second, he's second Adam fulfilled. All that God had planned. Fulfilled the plan of redemption. Adam aborted it. The second Adam fulfilled it. Praise the Lord. Interesting. But we need to hear these things. Because the devil has all kinds of strategies, all kinds of devices. One, another time that God showed me, um, he showed me that I had a dream one night, and in this dream I saw myself in a coffin dying prematurely. I saw my husband grieving over it. And I woke up, and I knew it wasn't the devil. I wished it would have been. 
the devil showing me that. But then when I woke up, how do you know, Pastor Nancy, if it's God showing you these things? When you have a dream that's from God, number one, when you wake up, the anointing will be there. Number two, there will be no fear, no matter what you saw. No matter what he showed, there will be no fear. Number three, you'll know what it means. If you don't know what it means, it won't from God. Don't go around and ask 14 people what your dream means. That's a sign of unsoundness. God knows how to communicate to you. And so in this dream, I saw myself dying prematurely. And uh, I woke up, and God said, I'll talk to you about it later. I didn't know how long later was. I know in the Bible, it's a long time. <laughs> you know. Well, that happened on a Tuesday morning. I woke up on a Tuesday morning, and his presence, I couldn't sense his presence anymore. What was it? His pleasure was gone. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. No, he doesn't, but his pleasure sure can leave and man, you can sense, you know when he's not pleased. It's like dry. It's hard. It's bad. Miriam had it for seven days. Time out, baby. Time out. You done, you done did the wrong thing. And she was outside the presence of God for seven days. And I, Thursday, it was Thursday. I said, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I said, you said you'd talk to me later. Is it later yet? He said, it's later. Get your pen and paper. And I did. And he gave me a list of things. The primary thing was this. He said, when you came into this marriage, he said, uh, you knew your spiritual youngness. And that's true. I was so aware of it. I thought, I, go, I went to services. I go, I need something. I mean, you know, I, I, I always needed. I need to catch up. I need to catch up. But I never made the transition of bringing something. I always came to church and came to services with the idea, I'm coming to get, I'm, I'm coming, I was hungry. I was hungry to lay hold of, but I wasn't as hungry for it to go the other direction of bringing my supply. And he said, because you have judged yourself as always needing something, you have diminished the supply that you have to bring. And you're not bringing the full supply to your husband. And I will, you wouldn't, and he said this to me, you would never divorce your husband. I said, no, that's right. I wouldn't. I, the way I was raised, and not only that, I heard God, I heard from God. <laughs> He's your husband. He says, you would never divorce him. He said, so I'd have to let sickness remove you. I said, well, you can stop that right now. Because I'm going to straighten up. Me not bringing my supply was another device that the devil tried to use to get me taken out of the way. Can I tell you this? It matters who you're connected to. I said it matters who you're connected to. When my husband went home to be with the Lord, see, you have to know where do you receive your supply and where do you bring your supply? Where you receive it is where you should be bringing it. But it's a two-way street. It's not just about coming to church to get something. What are you supplying to that church family? You just sitting there sucking it up and leaving and taking your portion, or you bringing something in, in return? It's a two way street. And I, you say, Pastor Nancy, you know, I've been saved very long. It doesn't matter. You have some measure of supply that can be brought, even though you just, if, even if you just got saved today. There's something that you have that somebody 
it would be a blessing to somebody. And uh, when my husband went home to be with the Lord, I understand divine connections. I understand. And, of course, Dr. Jacob's masterful on teaching on spiritual fathers and the role and the voice they are in your life. And here, when I got saved, my brother, before I even got born again, my brother handed me Dad Hagen books. So the day I got born again, I pulled those books out. And the day I was born again, I was hooked up to Dad Hagen. And then I met my husband. Of course, he administered at Rhema. He, Dad Hagen was his spiritual father. So my husband and I were under Dad Hagen together in receiving of that ministry. Then when Dad Hagen went home to be with the Lord, my husband was that to me. He was that divine supply for me. But then he left. The day he left, my spiritual antenna went up. God, who's my supply? Well, many ministers called me the day my husband left. Precious ministers letting me know they're praying for me, they love me, they're standing with me, and I appreciated it. But there was one minister who called and he spoke, he spoke the word of the Lord to me, his brother Copeland. And he began to prophesy and he began to pray. And he prayed in such... A, he prayed with a boldness that made that phone rattle. He was bellering at the top of his lungs. And it, you, safety was felt. Because someone had stood up next to you and taken dominion with you. And I recognized that all the precious people that contacted me that day, God spoke through one in a different way. The others, the encouragement that came through others, precious. Valued it, need it. But this one had my future in, the, in his mouth. So I said to God, God, it's not very hard for me to figure out. Connect. I, I always say this, connect the dots. Connect the dots. Quit waiting for a voice and connect the dots. Who does, when, you, when, when, when you're sitting under a pastor, who does, God talk, what, who does God talk to you the most while you're sitting under that's who you need to be under, you see. People will say, well, I don't know if I need to come to this church. Well, do you get something? Does God speak to you when you're here? Then that's God telling you. He's hooking you up with what's coming out of the man of God. So I said to God, I said, God, I recognize that you showed me my future through this man. I said, is that who you want me to be hooked up with? Yes, that is. So I hooked up. Brother Copeland called me every few days after that. How you doing, Nancy? I'm doing, Brother Copeland, I'm doing fine. If you ever need anything, you let me know. All right, you know. Very gracious, offered himself. And one day he called and he said, Nancy, if I can ever do anything for you, let me know. Brother Copeland, thank you so much. I said, you're a man of many responsibilities. I appreciate it, but just know I'm not going to pull on you the wrong way. And uh, he said, okay, but if you ever need anything, let me know. Okay, thank you. Nancy, if I can do anything for you, let me know. Thank you. Nancy, and I'm going, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm missing something here. And he said it four or five times. Nancy, if I can do anything. Nancy, if I can do anything. Nancy, if I can do anything. I go, I think he's offering to come preach. That's what I thought. After about four or five times, I finally thought that. <laughs> so I thought, I'm not going to say anything right now. I'm going to look at my calendar because I had a date come up in my heart. Well, this is, you know, the end of October. Mm -hmm. And in my heart was the first 
weekend of January. So I looked at my calendar. Yeah, I got that free. So I called him back and I said, Brother Copeland, and you know, with fear and trembling, hoping I wasn't misreading. Because <laughs> he said, I never invite myself anywhere. But he sure put all down the runway, the words, so that I could, la so that I could land there, get the message. So I said, Brother Copeland, you asked me if there's anything you could ever do for me to call you. So would you pray about coming to the church? He said, I'll be there. I go, oh, thank God I got it. Oh, thank God. I didn't misread it. I got it. And I, he said, when can I come? I said, how about the first weekend of January? Got it open. I'll be there. All right. Okay, that worked. <laughs> so he came in 2014. He came in 2015. He's come every year since then. And he told me, he says, I'll be, I'll be here every year until I'm 120. And he said, that's how many ever more years, you know? Like, how, how many ever? 37 or something when he said that. And I said, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I got you, I got you on record saying that. You're a man of your word. <laughs> in 2016... He came in, he was in the back room after the service, and he pulled out my family, and he laid hands on my children, my grandchildren, prophesied over every one of them. When he came to me, he said, no, you won't. No, you won't do that. No, you won't do that. And he didn't say anything beyond that. He said, I bind that. No, you don't. I bind that. I didn't dare ask. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. So probably about nine months ago, I had a vision, a quick mini-vision. And in that vision, there was a demon, about the average size of a guy, enraged. His face was so contorted with rage. And he was leaning at me like this, but here, his arms, there was an angel on each side and holding him back. He couldn't, he couldn't reach me. And I said, God, I appreciate that. <laughs> he was showing me that something is being held back from you. And so uh, just a few weeks ago, I began thinking of that again. And I said, God, you didn't just show me that so I could say I saw it. I need to know something about that. What is that I need to know? And I said, and when did that demon get bound? And he said, when Brother Copeland spoke that, he said it took his level of knowing to deal with that. So it does matter who you're connected to. It does matter who you receive your supply from and where you're bringing the supply because you have something that somebody else needs. What if I had dismissed supply in my life when that demon wanted to come? The there's somebody who knows God better than you, and you better know who they are. Yes. And you better stay with them because they're the plan of God for you. Yes. The devil will use all kinds of strategies to get you away. Now, what? listen, there were others who checked me. Are you sure you need to be going that direction? Are you sure? Yep, I'm sure. Just because God hadn't said it to you doesn't mean he didn't say it to me. I don't go by what you think. Come on. Come on. I guard the plan. Yes, I guard the plan. Yes. I guard the plan. 
And I had to let some people not understand that plan for me to stay with the plan. But my longevity is connected to the plan. And part of that plan is who is the supplier for my life. I'm not separating from, it, from, from my man of God for anybody, for any situation, because someone has been assigned to my life that's part of the plan of God. There's strategies and there's devices. And we can't be ignorant of them. If we're ignorant, the devil will gain the advantage. Well, we went on a bit off script tonight, but I hope you got helped. Yes, ma'am. Very good. Yes, ma'am. Maybe not played out particularly the same way in your life, but there's something to know and there's something to learn out of how it played out with me because the devil uses the same old thing on everybody. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for your plan. We thank you tonight. We love your plan. In your wisdom and in your love, you had us in mind. And each and every one of your children, every human born, you have a plan. And we say yes to that plan. And Father, regardless of who says no, we stay with our yes. We will allow others to come and go from our lives, but we will not allow the plan of God to be diminished in our life. Thank you for that plan. We honor the plan. Let me tell you something. When my husband went home to be with the Lord. The plan of God for my life did not leave with him. That's why I didn't flounder and go, what do I do next? People are going to enter your life and people are going to leave it. And know this, the plan of God did not go with them. The plan of God is still intact in your life. And you say, well, Pastor Nancy, I missed the plan. So what? So what? There's access roads back on. With that uh, GPS in your car or on your phone, you miss a turn. Siri does not say, you done. You done. You missed the turn. Forget it. You're not getting there. You know what it says? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Why? There's another way. Not to take it lightly, a miss. Not to just mindlessly and not even caring that you miss. But if you miss... If you miss, God's smarter than Siri. He knows how. The word says, the Amplified of Ephesians 2.10 says this, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life. Taking paths. Notice not one path. Taking paths. Why? Because he knows sometimes people get off the path. There's another path to get you back on. Don't ever let the devil count you out if you say yes to God. You might have missed it big time, but so what? God is bigger than your miss. And don't you treat your miss bigger than God and greater than God's ability to still bring you back into the fullness of some things. How many times has the devil told you 
that something was left, something was left undone, you missed it, that's it, you can't, get, you can't recapture it. I've always found out that when you get right with God, you get more than you had before. Why? Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Amen. Hallelujah. So no matter who's in here tonight and you say, Pastor Nancy, I missed it. Don't let the wrong thinking disqualify you from getting right back in his best. Amen. It's a device and a strategy that, that the devil would love to use to keep you thinking. Well, you know, I missed it. I did it wrong. Yeah, you did do it wrong. I've done it wrong. So we, we get this idea, the devil gives you this idea that you have to accept a measure of defeat because you missed it. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's what the blood did for you. The blood makes it and puts you back in the place as though you never missed it. That's what the blood does, does for you. It is as though you never missed it. I believe in his blood more than I believe in my wrong steps. His blood is greater. Amen. I love his plan. And I don't ever want to miss his plan. But I tell you this, I'm not going to live this life afraid of missing the plan. Don't be afraid of missing God. Because even if you did, the blood is great enough to put you back on. And make it as though you never missed it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, in, in this day and age, we've seen people have lost homes. They have lost businesses. They have lost marriages. The blood is greater. God's plan is greater. If you just uh, say yes to God, no matter how long you said no, if you change that no to a yes, there's an entrance place back into his plan. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you so much. Father, I thank you. I thank you. So grateful. I'm so, so grateful. I'm so, so grateful. Father, I thank you for clarity for each and every person of the fullness of what you have for them. And those who say, I'm not quite back where I need to be. Thank you, Father, for showing them how to, what steps to take to be exactly where you want them to be. Can I tell you this? I, when I was in that wrong engagement, and I finally recognized it was wrong and got out of it. I locked myself up, and you've heard me probably talk about this. I locked myself up and prayed for three weeks in the Holy Ghost hours a day. I first started with worshiping God for an hour. I'd read my Bible for an hour and then the rest of the day I'd spend hours just praying in the Spirit. At the end of three weeks of doing that is when I met my husband. Because the plan of God is connected to you praying it out. So if you're not sure what the plan is, spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Not earning it, but the more you pray, the further you go. I remember Dad Hagen 
If you've ever been in any of Dad Hagen's meetings, he would walk out while he's teaching. You know, he'd walk out among the people, and he'd walk up to somebody and put their hand on, put his hand on their shoulder, you know, and talk, and just like, kind of like lean on them. Probably wasn't significant who he touched, but all of us are looking who he touched. <laughs> we want to read something into that if we can. So most of the time, it, it wasn't significant who he was touching. He's just walking, and whoever's there, he's leaning. But this one time was very significant. He walked up to somebody that had married a relative of his, and they'd gotten a divorce. They had just been divorced. So as somebody he knew, he walked up. And then he'd put his hand on the shoulder and then kind of stand behind him a little bit. He didn't stand right like right in front of him. He'd stand right behind him. And he said, the reason you married wrong because you didn't take time to pray in the spirit. And we'd, go, we'd looking at who's got his hand and go, <laughs> But what a help. The reason we took wrong paths, we didn't pray in the spirit. How to get back on the right path, pray in the spirit. Get his mind. Get his mind on this situation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Don't you love the plan of God for your life? Father, I thank you for these precious, precious, precious ministers, these precious people. Oh, mm. Father, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for clarity, the fullness of the plan for this hour, the fullness of the plan for this era, the accuracy, not making missteps, but the fullness, the revealing of your plan for these precious ministers. The revealing... There's so much more with this era of the plan that they, <laughs> that they see with all clarity, that they see with all clarity your plan for, for them, for their lives, for their homes, for their ministries. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you help them to see, help them to know with accuracy. No more missteps. We don't have time for it. We don't have time for missteps. We don't have time for missed steps. We don't have time. So we thank you, Father, for clarity. We thank you, Father, for clarity. We thank you 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 for clarity, Father. We thank you, Father, for clarity. Oh, we thank you, Father, for clarity. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for clarity. We thank you for clarity. I tell you, it matters. I said it matters that we're accurate. I said it matters that we're accurate, Pastor. Let me, I thank you, Father, for clarity. I thank you, Father, for clarity for her. Ah. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for clarity. This precious, precious gift to the body. Mmm. Mmm. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. I thank you, Father, for clarity for her. Oh, my, my, my. So many precious seeds sown. Time to reap harvest, love. Time to reap of all the faithfulness sown. We thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Can I say this? We are not obligated to carnality in other people. 
when we recognize that somebody's not going to keep pace and won't keep pace. We're not obligated. We're obligated to God's plan. Amen. You love what I love, we can go. We'll go together and we'll go fast. But when you decide you love something else more, and I'm going to hook up with somebody else who can keep pace. And that is love. I said that is walking in love. Walking in love with God first before you walk in love with people who don't want what God's offering. I mean, along the way of ministry, we've had to let some people drop off staff, drop out of leadership. We loved them, but I loved the plan of God more. I love God and what he had more. Amen. You love relatives. You love people. We don't, we're not, we don't have to be unkind and cut people off, but we know who, can, who we can run with. Amen. Um, there was a little gal that was in my husband's first church before we were married. And uh, for several years, she, she was younger than me, and she was, had very bad physical condition that had lingered, and she suffered a lot. And about two weeks after my husband died, she began dying. And one night, she, uh, she's in bed. She said, I still don't know if I was seeing a vision or if I myself died. But she says, I was walking up to the heaven's gates. And she said there was like a force field keeping me up, coming off those gates, keeping me out. I couldn't enter. And she said, and Ed was at the gate. And he was standing on the inside of the gate and said to her, it's not time for you to come now. You can't come, you gotta go back. And he said, when you go back, tell Nancy something. And he said, tell her this. And then he said, the, he said one thing. Then the second thing he said, tell her to run a race with joy. Of all the things that heaven could have said and wanted us to know, it's not just running the race, but how we run it. Amen. How we run it with joy. I'm not, I'm not handing my joy off to any difficult circumstance. I'm not handing my joy off to any person who stayed or left. I'm not handing my joy off to any financial situation. I'm not handing my joy off to a business, whether it failed or didn't, whether I got a house or not. My joy is mine. Jesus gave it to me, and I'm not trading it off. My joy will not go on the chopping block. I'll put wrong thinking on the chopping block, but I'm not going to put my joy on the chopping block. I refuse to be less than joyful. I have lived days of heaven on earth since I've learned what to do with my thought life. People will say, uh, and this is, what, this is what I said to God. I said, I don't believe that we're down here to live anything less than heaven on earth. I refuse. I refuse to live anything less than heaven on earth every day. And you say, well, the day your husband left and went to heaven, was that a day of heaven on earth? The flow offered me was heaven on earth. The event was not heaven on earth, but the flow God offered me in the face of that event was heaven on earth. Why? I never, I never got into depression. I never got into grief. I never got into sorrow. Why? I stayed in peace. I stayed in joy because me coming out of that flow would not change anything. It would take me off course if I got out of that flow. No matter what event comes, there's still a flow of heaven on earth offered you. And you decide. Everything that's happened, there's been hurtful things happen to all of us. You know what we're going to do? 
Chuck it behind us. We going on. We going on. Pastor Nancy, I can't seem to get back. I can't seem to get past it. Then quit thinking about it and quit talking about it. Every time you think about it and talk about it, you bring the past into your present. We're done. Done with it. Chuck it over. Done. Not going back there in my thought life or in my, or in my conversation. Why? Because I'm offered a higher flow. And I choose it. Amen. Well, are you helped tonight? Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Pastor, thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.